0: We are in a series talking about what it looks like to move beyond useless faith. And uh, I'll, I'll pray to kind of get us started this morning in, in, the, in, the, in the sermon. But but before we do that, just to set up the series, if you're new, if this is your first time, or maybe it's your second time and you've been coming for a little bit, I would encourage you to go back and listen to um, the sermons as we are going through the book of James. But, but, but before that, I just want to tell you the heart of this series, Uh, if if you haven't been coming, or if this is kind of the the first time, the the, the heart of this series is as a church, and what God wants for us also, but just as a church, what we want for you so deeply is to experience a faith that actually touches and affects all of your life. That's what we want for you. We do not want you to have faith that is just like, yeah, I have faith, yeah, okay, yeah, I believe in God. And James, the book of the Bible, James, is written to say we cannot just, there's different kinds of faith. And we can't just have a faith that, that exists and is there and is present, but it actually is useless. And James uses all these different words that can be kind of harsh sounding, but James says, I don't want you. you got to hear James's heart as a good friend, as a pastor, that would say, I don't want you. James uses words to say, to have a worthless faith, to have a useless faith, to have a dead faith. These are all the kinds of terms and language James uses because James knows and we know as a church, man, it's so easy. It's so easy to claim faith. And yet, if we're honest, go, man, it doesn't really affect my life. It doesn't really produce good in my life. It doesn't really help me with the real issues and the real drama and the real stuff that I'm facing. And James does not want that for us. And I do not want that for you. That's really why we chose this book to go through is because I know, man, we we would say, yeah, we got faith, but, but we don't want to have a useless faith, and I don't want that for you, and so I would just encourage you as we are about halfway through uh, this book now to, if you've some of them, go back and listen to them, or, or just ask God to use this series, to use this book in your life to produce a faith that actually touches all the real issues that, that we all have in our life. So uh, that's not a part of the sermon, don't count that as part of my time, uh, that's just intro, and um I know some of you just reset your stopwatch, so thank you, and, um, and then uh, I'm going to pray, and then we will look at what James has to say to us in this last part of chapter 3. Father, would you um, just help us today as we open your word, as we talk about life, even what I just uh, said of what the heart of this book is. God, would you make that today true? Would you make this uh, sermon, would you make your words touch our hearts in a way that actually produce lives of faith that are useful and helpful and, and transformative. So God, take this time. I just give it to you and, and ask that you would move in all of our lives right now. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So in life, there's all sorts of things that we don't know uh, what we should do. And I don't know kind of what's going on in your life right now, but, but just think about in life, where are you wondering right now, what should I do about this? And it can be all sorts of things and, and all, I mean, some, sometimes some of you may be, you know, facing decisions every day that are really challenging and difficult, or uh, it might be just basic things like, what am I going to wear today? Some of you maybe are stressed out about that, but just where are you wondering in life? I what do I, what am I going to do about this? What's, what's, the, what's the wise thing to do about this? And there's all sorts of things in life that we kind of have to figure that out with, of what we should do. But a lot of the issues that we face often are relational issues. What do I do about this conflict at work that I have? What do I do about uh, this conflict I have in my marriage? And how, how, do I, how can I handle this? Or what do I do with this friend that doesn't seem to be talking to me anymore? How, how can I resolve the conflict with them or with your kids. Man, my kids are challenging. How do I how do I raise my kids or how do I love my kids or all sorts of different relational issues often. Th- those aren't the only wisdom issues that we have, but often when we think about man, what am I going to do about this situation in my life? A lot of those are relational issues. A lot of those have to do with the different relationships we have because relationships take up much of our life. And what if we could have a core of wisdom which to make decisions from. Kind of a foundation of wisdom that that we're not always perplexed and wondering, what do I do about this situation? What do I do about this situation? What do I do about this person? But we had a core of wisdom, kind of a foundation to operate from. And this is what James wants to help us with today. And if we want that, if we want a core of wisdom, if we want a wisdom that helps us think through, what should I do about this? Really in all areas, but especially our relational issues, if we want that, then we have to understand, first of all, where we get wisdom wrong a lot and what wisdom actually is, what the heart, what the core of wisdom is, and and how we let that operate in our lives. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to explore the issue of wisdom. So we will read the whole thing here. It's only a few verses, and then we will look at those questions. James says this, "...who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom." who make peace? So here's the first thing we have to understand if we want a core of wisdom. We, we have to be able to answer this question. Um, my, my little signal here. There we go. Where do, where do we get wisdom wrong? This is kind of the starting point. And James is going to give us two different ways that we get wisdom wrong. But James opens up with this question that I love the question. He just says, who's wise? Who's wise among you? Who is wise among you? Now, think about that. I mean, probably none of you would want to raise your hand and be like, I'm wise. But, I mean, that's just because of false humility. On the other side, if I said, who's stupid among you? No one would be like, I'm stupid. That's me. Most of us think we're wise in some ways. Maybe, I mean, most people would probably, I'm not wise in everything, or I don't know everything. But most of us think, yeah, I kind of, I I'm wise. I, I know how to live life. I'm, I'm getting by. I figured it out. James just asks this question, who is wise among you? And I love it because he wants us to think about ourselves. Do I think I'm wise? Do I think I know how to live life? But he also wants us to think, broadly speaking, who's wise? Like when you think about a wise person, what comes to your mind? When you think about somebody wise, what comes to your mind? And James says, look, who is wise? How do you know if someone is wise? What is underneath? And this is why I love the question, because it it just begins to say, what's What is the core of wisdom? How do you know a wise person? How would you know if one person is wise or one person's not wise? What is wisdom, really? And James says there's a couple ways that we get it wrong, and the first one is kind of obvious, I think, but the second one more robust. But here's the first thing. James says a lot of times what we think wisdom is is just knowing stuff, just knowing facts, just if you have knowledge, if you know things, if, you, if you've got a catalog of information, James says, a lot of times we think that's what wisdom is, but that's not wisdom. If you know stuff, that is not wisdom. And like I said, most of us would probably say, yeah, of course, you know, it's not just that. James says, let by your conduct, by your good conduct, let, let somebody show their wisdom. It's not just what you know, it's actually how you live that's a wise person. I remember that when we were in the process of getting married, when we were engaged, my wife and I went through, as many couples do, kind of a pre-marriage process. And there was a book that we were supposed to read. And when I read that book, I was like, yeah, got it. Uh, Because it's just like, yeah, of course, you know, like I already know this stuff. It's not a big deal. And for those of you that have recently gotten married, you probably felt the same way. It's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after being married for a year, I remember I went back and read that book again and was highlighting everything. This is brilliant. This is amazing. Oh, don't say that. Oh, I'm so stupid. Because I thought wisdom is just, I, I know it. I know the answers. I know the facts. But not actually how to live. And see, James says a lot of times we think wisdom is knowledge. We think wisdom is facts. I mean, many of you in your jobs, you you would probably be able to say, here's exactly how the job is supposed to be done. Or you have coworkers that would be able to say, here's exactly how the job is supposed to be done. But that doesn't mean they actually do it. That doesn't mean that you actually do it. You might know all the right answers of, of what a good relationship is supposed to be like, or what a good friend is supposed to be, of what a good husband or good wife is supposed to be. You might know the answers, but knowledge isn't wisdom. Actually, living is wisdom. The same thing is true with the Bible. I mean, you may you may know a lot of what the Bible says. You may have grown up in church. You may you may be able to quote stuff that you've memorized. You you may know much about what the Christian life is supposed to be and how it's supposed to look and who God is or how you change or you might know a lot of stuff, but that's not the same thing as wisdom, as living it out. See, James says here's one of the ways that we get wisdom wrong. One of the main ways that we get wisdom wrong is we think wisdom is knowledge, it's facts. It's knowing stuff. It's, it's even, you know, on a Sunday here, being like, yep, okay, I know that. I get that. But James says, no, wisdom is actually living. You know how someone is wise? You know how someone is mature? Look at their life. Don't just look at what they know. Look at their life. Now, again, many people know this. I think this is, is helpful, and maybe some of us need to hear that, and, and James kind of wants to correct those of us that need to, to hear that. But, but I think there's something even deeper that James begins to get at of where we get wisdom wrong. The second way that we get wisdom wrong, that even if, even if you know, man, wisdom is more than facts, even if you know that, and, and you say, man, I know wisdom is more than facts. It's actually how you live your life. That's what matters. James says, yeah, even if we know that, there's another place that we get wisdom wrong. And what James is going to tell us is there's two different kinds of wisdom. There's two different kinds of wisdom. We're going to look at that, but before I kind of just talk about that second kind of wisdom, I think it's really important to take that seriously. Like, what if there's two different kinds of wisdom? You know what that would mean? It would mean that there's a lot of things in life that are going to help you. A lot of things in life that are going to be wise and sound wise. A lot of things in life that if you apply them to your life in some ways will actually help. Because James says, look, wisdom isn't just what you know, it's, it's how you live, it's what you do. But James is going to say there's two different kinds of wisdom. We're going to talk about that second kind, but, but just pause for a second. If James is right, if there's two different kinds of wisdom, think about what that means. It means there's things that we have heard that we go, that sounds good, that sounds true, that sounds helpful, that sounds wise. If there's actually two different kinds of wisdom... If there's actually two different ways of operating and living in life, then that means that's man, we kind of got to pay attention. Because it's not just, hey, there's stupidness and there's wisdom. It's not just, hey, you're a total idiot or you're wise. It's what if there's you're a total idiot and one kind of wisdom and a second kind of wisdom. That means you got to be a little more discerning. That means we've got to think it through a little bit more and listen to what James says. And James's main point here is one of the key ways that we get things wrong when it comes to wisdom is we buy into a wisdom that's not the right kind of wisdom. And, and the core of that wisdom, the core of that wisdom is a wisdom that is for one's self. James talks about selfish ambition. He says there's a kind of wisdom <clears throat> that the core of it is selfish ambition or the opposite side of the coin is jealousy. Because if you have, if you have, if you're for yourself and you want something and people get in the way or people have what you don't have, then there's jealousy. So it's really two sides of the same coin. But what James says is here's the second kind of wisdom here, or the first kind of wisdom. We'll talk about the, the right kind of wisdom, but but the kind of wisdom that where we often get it wrong is there's the wisdom that at its core is for ourselves. That at its core, this kind of wisdom asks this question, how do I get what I want? How do I get what I, how do I, get what I want? How do I get what I want? Now, that might sound really selfish to you, and like, I don't operate in that kind of wisdom. That's, that's ridiculous. But there's a, a massive study done a couple years ago by a research group named Barna, and they looked at, really, what is the underlying values that people, and this is not just like they surveyed five friends, this is a massive national study, looking at, man, what is the underlying values that people operate from? And here, here's what, here's what it says. Look at these, these are just kind of, this is people's kind of underlying values. The best way to find yourself is by looking within yourself, 91 percent of all U.S. adults believe that. People should not criticize someone else's life choices. You should not criticize what I want, what I choose, 89%. To be fulfilled in life, you should pursue the things you desire most, 86%. The highest goal of life is to enjoy it as much as possible, 84%. People can believe whatever they want as long as those beliefs don't affect society, 79%. Any kind of sexual expression between two consenting adults is acceptable, Sixty. percent nine percent and here's what they call this here's what they look at as they look at these values they call it the morality of self-fulfillment the morality of self-fulfillment because these things look even look even as we talk even as i put these up there some of you are probably like what's wrong with that that's common sense look within myself isn't that common sense isn't it common sense that people shouldn't criticize someone else's choices? Isn't it common sense that if I want to be fulfilled in life, that I should pursue the things I desire most? Isn't it common sense? Look who you, look inside, be who you are, be true to you. Isn't that all just common sense? Yes. It's wisdom, in fact. A kind of wisdom. It's a kind of wisdom. It's a wisdom based on self. Self-fulfillment. It's a wisdom that at its core says, if I am at the center, if self is at the center, then all of this flows out of that. If self is at the center, then, then to decide who I am, I should look inside. If self is at the center, then how do I decide what morality is? Well, I can't judge anybody else. And if self is at the center. See, even when we put these up there, and even when we look at those, it can sound really normal. I don't, I mean, none of that stuff is like, here's what wisdom is. Kill one person a week, right? It's, it's really common sense stuff that we think is common sense. And this is James's point. James's point is that it is wisdom. It's a kind of wisdom. It's something that sounds right. It's someone, something that sounds wise. Think about, you know, just how some of these things would get worked out in your life. People, the, the way we say stuff to each other man, you know what? You just got to do what makes you happy. Trying to make a decision about something, you just got to do what makes you happy. That would be a statement that flows out of this. Hey, man, you just, you just do you, right? That's like the shortened version. I don't have enough time to say do what makes you happy. I only have enough time to say you do you, right? Three syllables. That's all I got. Or, you know, at the end of the day, you really just got to do what's best for you, See, think about friends that have given you advice or friends that you've given advice to. And at the end of the day, it comes down to the morality of self-fulfillment. This is what most people in our country believe. And unless you want to say, ha, I'm not like most people, I'm a Christian. Here is what the practicing Christians, 76% believe the same thing, 76% believe the same thing, 72%, 67 61% drops off a little bit there. But basically, the majority of Christians say the same thing. The majority of Christians, the majority of people in this room, lest we are just some crazy anomaly of society, which I don't think is true. The majority of us, the majority of Christians say, actually, my morality is based on fulfilling myself. Actually, my wisdom is based on fulfilling myself. James says, you want to know where we get wisdom wrong? Selfish ambition, jealousy, two sides of the same coin, a wisdom that's operating principle is how does this affect me? How does this advance me? How does this make me feel? What do I think? What does this do for me? Let me give you some examples of how this would play out in your life and all of our lives. Think about just work. A lot of times we try to make work decisions. A lot of times you try to make decisions about work, and oftentimes wisdom would say, this kind of wisdom, if it's, if it's about me and what's best for me, you know how often, I mean, just, man, you know this, either in your own life or your parents' life, how often, how often has the pursuit of success and achievement in your work hurt relationships? I mean, many of you probably had parents who were working, working, working so much, and they neglected you. And then we're like, man, that's so bad. I'm never going to be like that to my kids and then start to do the same thing. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just with your friends. I mean, is it the wise thing to do to say, I need to do what's right for me and my career. And so I'm pushing, 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 pushing. And relationships start to then suffer. Friendships start to then suffer. And you know what? A lot of times people that are doing that say, I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing it for my spouse. I'm doing it for, so I can have money actually, to hang out with my friends and do fun things. I'm doing it for that. But That's not the effect. If we're really pursuing what's right for me, how this affects me, my advancement, my promotion, how I feel, that might affect your work that way. Or what about about, uh, dating? Let's talk about dating. Everyone loves talking about dating, right? Let's talk about dating. Um, (laughs) uh, Dating sucks. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) it does. I feel for you. I'm so glad I'm married, and I'm not trying to say that to rub in just because I feel for you, my single brothers and sisters. It's so hard. This is not a sermon about dating, but I just feel for you. It's hard. It's a a nasty dog-eat-dog world out there, and I am sorry. Um, And here's here's what's (laughs) a side point, but here's some of what's affected you. Here's some of what's affected you. And I've talked to, and I haven't talked to a lot of women that say this, so I can't say that this is the same thing on this side. But I can tell you I've talked to a lot of guys that would say something like, man, here's what wisdom is when it comes to dating. I need to try a lot of women out. Here's what wisdom is in dating. I need to, and even heard the analogy of like, it's like a car. How objectifying is that? and single ladies are like yes I know thanks you know <laughs> but to be like man I kind of need to try them out and see which one is going to fit best for me which one's going to work best for me that is wise a kind of wisdom is it not to say man I kind of need to see which one's going to work best for me that is wise a kind of wisdom it's not god's kind of wisdom but it's the wisdom of self fulfillment it's the wisdom of how do I get what I want? How do I fulfill my life? I think about commitment. A lot of times commitment is so hard, whatever it might be, whether that's in church or it's to friendships or it's even just what are you going to do on Friday? (laughs) You know, just, I mean, so many, we are so commitment, you know, phobic. Why? Well, a big part of that is what if I miss out? What if something doesn't work out for me? I have I mean, so many times we want to keep all of our options open and not nail into one thing because why? Not because we're looking out for other people. We're looking out for us. And finally, this one I, I see happen all the time. What about conflict? A lot of times in conflict, a conflict situation, that might be work or that might be in your home, might be with your family, people you got drama with. So often, we try to think about, what's the wise thing to do in this conflict? I mean, a lot of times we're trying to figure out, man, I don't know what to do about this. But you you know what often we mean when we say, what's the wise thing to do about this? Or what should I do about this situation? It's how can I get them to understand me? Or how can I win? Or how can I get them to see my point of view? Or how can I get them to see my way? Or how can I get my point across to them? So many times in conflict situations, look, and I'm not just talking about somebody that you have beef with for like the last two years. I mean, just in your house, especially for those of you that are married or if you have roommates or when you've got like this person that's a daily interaction with and you're like, man, how do I deal with what just went down right now? It's usually what we mean by what, how do I deal with it or what's the decision I should make is how do I When? Or how do I get what I need from this? How do I get what I want from this? How do I get them to see my point of view? And all of that is what? Self is at the center. All of that self is at the center. Selfish ambition. How do I get what I want? See, James says, you want to know where you get wisdom wrong? Sometimes it's just because we think that stuff is wisdom is facts. It's just knowledge. But really, James's point here isn't just an assault on facts. It's he wants us to see that, yes, there is a kind of wisdom. There is a kind of wisdom that sounds good, that sounds common sense, that sounds normal. But it's not God's kind of wisdom. Look, here, here, here's where James says it's from. He says this is not the wisdom. So this is not, this is not the right wisdom. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. This is wisdom, but it's not the wisdom from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. It's earthly, meaning it's only kind of based in this world. It's only looking at things from a perspective of this world. It's only looking at things where we're on this world and there's no no other kind of value system outside of this. It's, It's wisdom, but it's not God's wisdom. It's a wisdom that's just based on if this is all there is. And it's unspiritual, but actually this word, interestingly enough, unspiritual is kind of a weird translation for it. What what it actually means is soul. It's soul. Talking about it's internal, which is it's looking inside, which is it's looking at my feelings. It's a wisdom that is only of this world, and it's a wisdom that's unspiritual, meaning ungodly, not from God, but is based in me. One that looks inside. One that says, how do I get what I want? What does my heart say? How do I look inside to find myself? And demonic, meaning it's influenced by Satan and his kingdom, which is a totally different set of values. Meaning that there's actually forces in this world, spiritual forces in this world, that would want you not to operate in God's wisdom, but would want to influence you and speak to you to operate in a different kind of wisdom. James says, yeah, it is wise, but this is not the wisdom that comes from above it. It originates from somewhere else. It's a different kind of wisdom that says, what's best for me? How can I get what I want that has self at the center? So just think about this. How many of your decisions go through that grid? How many of your decisions go through the stuff that we just talked about? Whether it comes to relational things or it comes to just pursuit and goals in life, how many of your decisions actually go through that wisdom grid? I think a lot of our decisions go through that grid. And here's what James says that, that results in. He says, Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. There will be disorder and every vile practice. Just think about, man. How many, how, how much disorder is in your life? And that doesn't mean like you're going to be disorganized. It means that stuff, it means mainly relationships are disordered. It means that it's, you struggle to balance time. It can mean that you struggle to, to, to have good relationships with people, that there's disorder relationally, that people, that, that, that your relationships are kind of marked by drama Or that they're current, maybe you wouldn't say, man, all my relationships are marked by drama, but there's drama in your relationships. There's disorder. Because if you are pursuing for self and there's jealousy, then when people get in the way what you want, there's drama. When people have what you want that you don't have, there's drama. When we are operating at a core fundamental principle of life is kind of, how can I get what I want? Eventually, it creates disorder. People get hurt. People around you get hurt. People close to you get hurt. And every vile practice, which is just to say that things that God says are good, we say are, things that God says are bad, we say are good. And it leads to all sorts of different practices. You go, man, how did that happen? How, why is, man, I, I mean, we can't, you know, go go in too much. But even if we just look at our country and go, man, why is, all? why do all these things happen? Where does this come from? I would just say it doesn't come out of the blue comes out of an underlying value structure that says this is wisdom and this is the actual fruit that stems from this value structure. This is what James says. He says this is the kind of wisdom that we often have, but there's something better. I mean, we want wisdom in our lives. We want to know what we should do about certain situations and certain conflicts, and there is a better kind of wisdom. There is a core of wisdom that we can operate from and live from that can actually help us. So what is true wisdom? Because if we have a different kind of wisdom, it will lead to different results. Different kinds of wisdom leads to different results and ultimately different kind of life and different kind of relationships. And here's what James says is the heart of wisdom. Here's what James says is the core that makes that makes God's wisdom different from a wisdom that's about self-fulfillment. Here's what here's what James says. Who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom and meekness is not a word that we use very often but really it's just humility meekness is a humble posture that is the opposite of self-ambition and jealousy it's the opposite of self-fulfillment you know what, you know what humility is humility isn't that you think you're a turd it's not that you like hate yourself humility is you just think of yourself less that you're not at the center anymore so that your wisdom framework isn't how does this fulfill me and is this right for me and will this make me happy and will this bring me joy and will this... Humility, meekness in wisdom is just, I don't think about myself as much. I don't think about... Myself is not the grid that I'm deciding and living through. James says, you know what true wisdom is? It's humble. Because we know our position before God. We know who we are before God. And so it's humble. And you know what this kind of wisdom looks like? This kind of wisdom isn't described by by what can I get for me and what can I do for me. This kind of wisdom is described essentially as serving other people. Whereas if a wisdom is about how do I get what I want, that life flows out in self-fulfillment and all of those different things but a life that says man i'm humble and i'm not thinking of myself as much that actually leads to a life of service to others here's what james says the wisdom from above is pure then it's peaceable and think about how all these things are centered on serving others and for others it's peaceable it's gentle it's open to reason It's full of mercy and good fruits. It's impartial. It's not making distinctions between people. It's sincere. James says, when we have a wisdom that's not focused on ourselves at the center, it leads to a kind of life that is essentially for other people, serving other people, seeking to go, man, how can I show mercy to other people and listen to other people and be sincere with other people and make peace with other people? That is what God's wisdom looks like. I mean, the core of wisdom isn't self-fulfillment. The core of wisdom is seeking to serve others. And that might sound nice, and we might go, yes, okay. But think about how often do we actually think about that in our wisdom? I mean, the, the chart that we put up before, I think, accurately describes much of our value system, much of our philosophy. How often are we actually thinking What's the wise thing to do to love this person? What's the wise thing to do to serve this person? I can tell you when we got kids recently, we recently adopted. For those of you that are new, we recently adopted and older kids. And, man, super challenging. And a lot of times, and I'm not saying I don't think like this anymore, and we've only had the kids for three months, but a lot of times, especially when we first got the kids, I mean, my my mind was like, man, I need some wisdom. How do I handle this? But what I meant by that in my heart of I need wisdom was I need wisdom to control these demons. How do I do that? <laughs> that's what my child bumper sticker says, you know. Not, my kid's an honor student. How do I control my demons? You know, that's, that's what my bumper sticker said. But, that, I mean, but that's what I meant by I need wisdom was how do I m- manage them so that I am better, so that I'm safer, so that I'm more per- so that I am more fulfilled. Real wisdom. And I began to pray this and begin to think about this. Real wisdom isn't that. Real wisdom when it comes to parenting is how do I love and serve these kids? And see, if we start with a wisdom, we start with a wisdom that says, how do I fulfill myself? It will sound like wisdom. You could have given me all sorts of parenting advice on here's how you can do that. And it would sound like wisdom, and it would be a type of wisdom, but it's not the same kind of wisdom that says, how do I serve? How do I love? I think about conflict. I mean, many, many times as a pastor, people will ask me, I don't know what to do about this situation. I don't know what to do about this person. And again, usually what is meant is I don't know what to do about helping them kind of stop being stupid or helping them see my point of view but I don't know, I don't want to say never because I might be forgetting a time, but I don't know how often, if at all, somebody has said, man, I've got this situation in conflict, and I, I'm really looking for some wisdom. How do I love them? How do I serve them? How do I be peaceable towards them? How do I be impartial towards them? How do I be sincere towards them? How do I? I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that usually in a situation of conflict or in a situation of marriage, usually where there's kind of tension, the how do I do this question is the wisdom of self-fulfillment. How do I get them to stop? How do I get them to change? How do I get them to see my point? How do I get them to understand me? How do I get them to recognize how they've wronged me? How do I self at the center? Not, gosh, I really want to know how I can love these people. I really want to know how I can serve them. James says, this is the kind of wisdom that's from God. It, it, It looks like not self at the center, but other people at the center, that we are serving others. So, I mean, just, I mean, who cares about my examples? What decisions are you facing in life right now? What decisions in life are you facing right now? And how have you been thinking about that? What relational issues are you facing right now, or do you face on a regular basis? What, what relational issues are you facing? How are you thinking about it? What would, sh- what would happen if you shifted to begin to ask, how do I serve them? Now I can just tell you even on not like kind of a big like, man, this big decision, but just on a regular basis, even this week, as I was thinking about this different times that there was an argument or something with my wife, and, and I would think about, man, how do, I, how do I solve this, or how do I resolve this, or how do I, usually I was like, oh, there goes my mind again. Really what I'm thinking is, how do I get her to see my point, or how do I, instead of going, how do I, how do I love and serve? That changes things. W- what if the decisions that you're facing right now What if if the relational issues that are in your life on a reoccurring daily basis or are still just kind of festering, what if the question that we ask was how do I love and serve? How do I be peaceable? How do I be gentle? How do I be impartial? How do I be sincere? How How do I do that? I need wisdom to do that. That's a different kind of wisdom if we begin to shift. And you know what that results in? I I love what James says. He says it results in a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. A harvest of righteousness. That that just means, man, the good life. Righteousness is, in in this context, is just kind of all the good that God calls for in our life. He says when we live like this, with this kind of wisdom, there's a harvest of righteousness that takes place. And specifically, peace. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom makes peace. Wisdom leads to that kind of life. I mean, don't you want that? Don't you want your relationships to be marked by peace? Don't you want it to be said, There's a and nobody uses this term, and if you did, we would think you're weird, but don't you want it to be said, a harvest of righteousness is in my life? D- don't you want it to be able to be said, man, there's, there's good that's flowing out of my life. I mean, that's why we pursue all the different kinds of wisdom that we pursue. But what if it was this? Here's one of the tests if we're operating in this kind of wisdom. Is that the result? Are your relationships marked by peace? If you think, who, who, who thinks they're wise? Don't raise your hand. This is just me being dramatic with my hands. But who, who thinks they're wise? James starts it off with, and you know how he ends it? He says, is there peace in your relationships? See, so if there's not peace in your relationships, according to God's wisdom, it's really hard to say that we're wise. Have you made peace with others? Imagine our relationships like that. Imagine a wisdom like this that leads to relationships being healed. And I, and I love that because James says that wisdom leads to making peace with people. But you know what that means? We're going to have conflict. You don't, need, you don't need a wisdom that leads to making peace if there's never drama, if there's never issues. He doesn't say, here's what God's wisdom does. All your relationships are absolutely perfect all the time. He says, you know what God's wisdom does? It helps you make peace when they're messed up. I love that because that's real, right? That's honest. You're going to have relationship issues, whether it's because of you or because of them or most likely because of both of you. But wisdom knows how to make peace. Wisdom's relationships are marked by peace. That's what God wants for us as a church. That's what God wants for you in your life. That's what God wants for us as a community is to be a community that lives with a different kind of wisdom. Not a wisdom that's for myself, but a wisdom that thinks, how can I serve people? How can I love people? How can I make peace? Where do you need to make peace? Man, let let this be so practical for you. Don't don't leave this sermon. Let it be the, the name of the series, Beyond Useless Faith. This is how you do that. Don't hear this and go, yeah, 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 okay, I know it, and now I'm wise. Who do you need to make peace with? What decisions in your life are you facing that you need to be able to go, what does wisdom look like when it relates to how do I serve? How do I make a decision that's not just based on fulfilling me, but serving others? Let it be practical. Finally, is how do we get this kind of wisdom how do we get that kind of wisdom and it's not looking inside ourselves but to god james says it's a wisdom that comes from above it's a wisdom that comes from above it's a wisdom that comes from above we want a wisdom that's pure peaceable gentle open to reason full of mercy and good fruits impartial and sincere we want that kind of wisdom James says, that comes from above. That's a wisdom that comes from above. How do we get it? Here's here's how we get it. Here's how we begin to move in this direction. We understand that the core of wisdom is not facts. It's not knowledge. The core of wisdom is not ourselves and self-fulfillment, but the core of wisdom is a life lived like that. The core of wisdom is a person that lives their life impartial, sincere, full of mercy, pure, full of good fruits in their life, making peace. The core of wisdom is a life lived like that. And you know who lived that kind of life? Jesus. You know who lived that kind of life? I mean, James says this wisdom's from above, which doesn't mean it's just in some storehouse above. It means there's a person above. It means there's a God like that who has lived that kind of life of wisdom. The way that we get this kind of wisdom is when we seek it from the person above who is this kind of wisdom. The Bible says of Jesus that he is full of all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That Jesus is the only true wise person who, it's not just because he knew facts and he wasn't centered on himself, but Jesus was the one, a person whose life was marked by these things a person that at their center of wisdom was i am for other people doesn't that describe jesus a person whose core said i am for other people i will die for other people i will make peace with other people if jesus's wisdom if his core was i'm for myself if Jesus' core was, was the bar chart that we put up there, if that was Jesus' core of wisdom, that would leave all of us in a very bad place. But Jesus' core of wisdom was, I'm here to make peace with you. I'm here to serve you. The Bible says that the wisdom of God looks like folly to other people. The Bible says that the wisdom of the cross, Jesus dying to make peace with people against him, it looks like folly to people. Just like in your life, if you begin to live like this, it will look like folly to people. If your core becomes not, I'm here to fulfill myself, but I'm here to serve others. If your core becomes, how do I make peace? How do I love? How do I serve? That will look like folly, just like the Bible says the cross looked like folly, and yet The Bible says it's wisdom. Real wisdom is centered on other people. Real wisdom is Jesus making peace with those that were against him. That's what the Bible says real wisdom is. Jesus didn't have selfish ambition. He wasn't fighting for himself. He was fighting for us. He was fighting for you to make peace with you. When that kind of wisdom becomes our core, our life changes. And the way that we get that kind of wisdom is from above. The way that we get that kind of wisdom is looking at him and saying, yes, that is wisdom. And when that becomes the core that we believe wisdom is, and that core gets inside of our core, we begin to change. So how do we get that kind of wisdom? It comes from God, and and here's what that means practically. It means pray for that kind of wisdom, but it means even more than that. It means we need to soak in his life because we are continually soaking in the values of wisdom around us. Ever since we've been little kids, we've actually been cultivated and indoctrinated, I would even say, with the dogma of self-fulfillment. What does it look like to begin to change our core of wisdom? It looks like we've got to soak in the life of Jesus. I heard a pastor say once that I was talking about marriage, but marriage changes you. Marriage changes you because the longer you're with someone, the, the, one of the benefits of marriage is you begin to see through their eyes. So you're not just yourself anymore, but you actually begin to see from another person's perspective, and you then get the benefit of two perspectives. And, and I think it's not, that's not just true of marriage. That's part of why community is so important, because community can do that on, a, on, a, on an even larger scale. That the closer you get united to other people, you begin to see through other perspectives. So like when we got married, my wife would give these little gift bags on Halloween or Valentine's Day to friends or to kids. And I was like, this is stupid. What are you doing? Like, why, why give little bags of crap to people that, you know, it's not even our kids or it's not, you know, like, why? It's Valentine's Day is for me. It's not for these kids. You know? <laughs> or, you know, anyways, I thought it was stupid. And then time went on, and I began to see through her perspective. Man, that, every time she does that, people really feel appreciated. Every time she does that, people really feel blessed. Every time she does that, there's a, there's a sensitivity of her perspective that began to shape me and change me. So I began to see through a perspective of sensitivity. And if you know me, you might be like, that's not true. but <laughs> <that's> a <laughs> a <laughs> But you didn't know me 10 years ago. My little brother told me, and he's all tatted up and used to ride a Harley. He's like, you're getting soft. You know, I was like, okay, well, I'm soft. That's right. Becoming changed. And you know what happens if you soak in the wisdom of Jesus? You know what happens if you begin to soak in his perspective that you actually read the Bible and let his wisdom soak into you, let his life soak into you, let his perspective soak into you, it begins to change. So begin to think through perspectives and decisions and things like he did. So here's where that leaves us. Ask God for this kind of wisdom It comes from above. Make peace with people. Whatever decisions you're wrestling with right now, ask how can I love and serve people? And begin to stare at Jesus. Begin to stare at the one that was so wise and in his wisdom made peace with us. Begin to look at him and have that form our life in our heart. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your wisdom. A wisdom that wasn't about you fulfilling yourself, but a wisdom that was about making peace with us. A wisdom that was about you reconciling us. A wisdom that was about you giving your life for us. A wisdom that was about you being full of mercy towards us. God, that is the true picture of wisdom. That's the kind of God you are. That's the kind of wisdom that you have given to us. And I pray that you would let that shape this community. Let that shape your people. Let that shape our lives. And I I pray even specifically, God, for decisions that people in this room are trying to make, that you would guide them with this wisdom. For relationships that are not reconciled, where there is not peace, God, that that would change today that the direct result of this would be wiser decisions that are made and relationships that are healed, God, I pray that you would do that. As we sing, let these truths lead us to worship you and know you. In your name we pray, amen.